0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at bite.com. That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Well, it's Tuesday, guys. Ben can't find his life at the moment. <laughs> Where's my book? He keeps sitting down, ready to go, and then he leaves and walks away again. I know, man. We just got to start, okay, dude?
2: Yep. Sometimes yeah. you just got to bite the bullet. That's correct. Thank you, Robert Mueller.
1: Live stream chat, how's it going? Yes, we're still doing requests for song of the day. So if you're listening at the moment, looks like there's 11 people viewing at the moment. Oh, 12. We just went up one. Uh, So if somebody could please give us a song of the day for Ben to just butcher the hell out of. (laughs) Prove me wrong, Ben. Prove me wrong. Uh, Give us a song of the day. I'm going to read the sponsors, and hopefully by the time we're done reading the sponsors, we'll have a uh, request. So let's get going. Your Vendrofsky Show for Tuesday. What the hell is today? May 12th. Mm, Wow. It's just moments away. But before we do this, let's thank the following unions for sponsoring... This program, unions like the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. Oh, wait, there we go. The International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. And of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show for Tuesday, May 12th, is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. All right, we're gonna stall a little bit so someone can get a song of the day in, guys. Song we got fourteen people watching, oh, thirteen. Someone just went away. What happened? And <laughs> all of that, I, I made someone tune out. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so get a song of the day, Ben. How we feeling today? Feeling good. I got a song. I mean, I can. That's, do a song. that's so. April twenty twenty. This is May twenty twenty. <laughs> we do song of the day request. Uh, uh, so we, uh, you watch that bulls thing.
2: Yeah, but we're not allowed to
1: talk about it. Oh my god. Yeah. But can I can I do my song, please? And requested a SOTD. How about, oh, no. You can't do one. We got a we got a song of the day. KMA Berry's the man here. KMA has a request uh, oh. for our song of the day. Okay. KMA's song of the day request is Sky High by Jigsaw. <laughs> Oh, mm. I've never heard that song. Uh,
2: well, I know the cover by Dion Warwick. Well, oh, we'll take it. I just made that up. Uh, sky high pilot. Do, 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 sky pilot. How high can you fly? Why, 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 why? You'll never reach
1: the sky. What if we just had Ben sing for the entire two hours? <laughs>
2: that's eric burton and war sky pilot
1: sky pilot kma was that the song you're talking about nope <laughs>
2: uh, i'm surprised nobody gave a, a a little richard song little richard died this weekend tootie fruity woo all right that's what i was gonna say listeners how lucky are you today
1: two songs of the day whoa the ben Drosky show starts now Tutti Frutti. It is Tuesday, May 12th, and live from Ben Zadig, this is The Ben Darofsky Show. Today on the program, Chicago readers, music genius, Lior Galil. And now your host... Far from music genius. (laughs) Chicago Reader columnist Ben
2: Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Bill Maher Said It Tuesday. And here's why. Great. You have a good weekend, D? No, I did not. (laughs) Okay. Well, usually, uh, well, at least you're honest. I appreciate honesty.
1: Show Uh, of hands. Who had a good weekend, huh? mm hmm Oh, wait, no no hands.
2: Uh, I Hmm. I realize it's hard to have a good weekend in the middle of a pandemic, uh, but uh, you know what? I saw Friday After Next.
0: Oh, hell Uh,
1: yeah. uh, You know. The worst of the Friday trilogy. I was going to say,
2: it was not that good. To put it mildly, uh, Ice Cube. Sorry, I see. I, I love the first two, but mm-mm, negatory. But, but
1: now you can say you've saw the Friday trilogy.
2: That is correct. That's why I did it. Dennis was the one. That's who, correct. You got to see all three of them. I,
1: I said you just got to see those. Two, the second one.
2: The the second one is really funny. I love this. The first one is my favorite. The second one is my second favorite, and the third one, uh, guys, shouldn't have made it. All right. So uh, enough of that. I uh, saw episode seven and eight of the Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary on ESPN Uh, one more time thank you Frank listener Frank who uh, instructed me on how to watch it and I've been dutifully watching it ever since I love it I can't get enough of it it's like crack Uh, and uh, every week
1: Frank is your uh, life producer I'm just your show producer
2: yeah (laughs) did you say life L-I-F-E yeah Uh, Frank is the fact checker. Uh, Frank gives me advice on how to watch TV shows, and I uh, can't wait till we're back in the studio and Frank can make a return visit. Uh, but uh, And I can't wait to get back to the hideout with Maya. We haven't done a first Tuesday since God knows when, and um, we'll get back to it one of these days, and Frank will be there at the audience as well. Anyway.
1: Who are you thinking of for a first guest for uh, the first Tuesday back? I know would love a, to uh,
2: question. Uh, bring on Kim Fox. Kim Fox was a delightful interview uh, back in the old days, back at the studio. Remember that interview, D? How could you forget that interview? Oh remember? yeah, yeah. When <laughs> she said bullshit. Yeah, she got carried away. Is there something about that little studio? I, it could be the water. And the water fountain at the sun times, who knows? But uh, everybody gets a potty mouth when they walk into that studio. Who, who
1: was your? Uh, did you guys have a guest scheduled uh, for your first Tuesday show before uh, you know uh, the Pandemic. world went to hell?
2: Uh, we had talked about having Kim Fox on, but we hadn't scheduled a guest, no. So no, we're uh, hanging.
1: Well, I say you started off with a bang and uh, get Raylo on the on first Tuesday. Ray Lopez. Yeah. Oh, I
2: know he would come on. Oh, rather. that'd be awesome. Uh, by the way, Ray Lopez is a star. Uh, he's the ultimate for the. Fifteenth Ward. He's not afraid to defy Lori Lightfoot, and has discovered a new career for himself as a independent, uh, uh, outspoken what opponent of Lori Lightfoot, uh, which which is interesting because during the Rom years he generally went along with Rom. Uh, and uh, he's sort of the star of Dave Glowatz's shows. Dave Glowatz does a great job coming on. He has the the, t- the recordings of the various things that the aldermen say. And Ray Lowe is sort of a star of that. So, yeah, maybe that's, that could be a good idea. Uh, anyway, so this weekend saw The Last Dance. But as you know, Dennis has a rigid rule. Yes, I do. A fundamental rule. okay? And you're
1: which, welcome, political which lovers. Which
2: we're, we're not to violate uh, uh, in any way. Now, we are allowed, may I just say this, to violate it. Uh, every Wednesday, we do an interview with somebody about the last dance. And Dennis says, okay, I'll let you do that. So last week, we had Stacey Davis-Gates talk about the last dance. That's correct. Growing up in Indiana playing basketball and the impact it had on her as a teenager in the 90s. Before that, we had Steve James, Hoop Dream Fame, uh, talk about the uh, last dance and the impact of basketball. And then Kevin Blackstone, my dear friend, we talked about uh Basketball at the Bulls games back before Jordan came in and Jordan's rookie year.
1: And that's where you get your fill on the last dance. Yes. Your sports fill. All right. We try not to do sports content on this program. Yes. All right. We got to look out for our political news junkies out there. You know what I mean? So, and, and as th- a producer, it is my duty to make sure that we do not talk about the last dance right. on this
2: program. And then this week, I just say we, uh Craig Hodges will be coming on. He used to play for the Bulls. Uh, and uh, he perhaps. Uh, he was Colin Kaepernick before Colin Kaepernick. For some of you youngsters out there who don't know uh, Craig Hodges, but he, he was, was
1: Colin Kaepernick uh, before social media.
2: Yes, he was blacklisted for his political views. This is me speaking. This is my humble opinion. And so he'll be on. He played for the Bulls with Michael Jordan in the first uh, two championships. It'll be interesting what he has to say of that. But after that, no Bulls talk. So I'm not going to tell you my thoughts about this uh, Sunday show because Dennis says it. Oh, by the way, D, mm. I don't know if I told you this. What's that? Uh, but my wife made some beef stroganoff. She delicious beef stroganoff. You want to go downstairs and take a look at that?
1: No, no, no. I'm not falling for this one, all right? I, last week you tried doing this. He said something about baked Alaska. Yeah. Still don't know what baked Alaska is, but there was nothing down there. I have a feeling you were talking about sports. Not this time, no. dude. I'm staying right here. No.
2: In fact, I, I have something I want to say about the euro versus the dollar and international monetary policy. But, yeah, you might – the b next to the Mountain Dew – downstairs on the uh,
1: counter. Wait, Mountain Dew? Oh, my God. You know the way to this hillbilly's heart. I love Mountain Dew. I'm right okay, down. Okay.
2: Yeah, right there. Yeah, just go down. Right hey, next to him. Mountain Dew Yeah, see it? But yeah, Go. you have to go a little further, Dave. All right, he's gone. Let me tell you something about the uh, game, uh, episode seven and eight of The Last Dance. They talked about the 1994 season when Michael Jordan was not there and the Bulls made it uh, to the playoffs against the New York Knicks and went to game. They lost in seven. But what they did not mention, and every Bulls fan from the 90s can tell you this. Unforgivable for not mentioning this, Hugh Holland's call. He called a foul on Scottie Pippen with about, about one point. Here. Huh? seconds that's what gave the Knicks the game that's what gave the Knicks that series the Bulls would have probably gone on to the finals had Hugh Hollins not made that call it's it's absolutely unforgivable I love the last dance I watch it obsessively it's like crack for this poor broken-hearted Bulls fan whose season was taken away but it's unforgivable that, that that mentioned Hugh Hollins and that call that he made that A phantom... Oh! And uh, so the thing about the Euro is that the Euro is
1: falling... Hey, I'm back. What's up? Did you get your Mountain Dew? There's no (laughs) Mountain Dew down there. I should have known it. You city people (laughs) don't like Mountain Dew.
2: Anyway, enough on the last dance. Uh, We'll have Craig You were talking about that? No, no, no. I was just saying Craig Hodges will be here tomorrow. What else happened this weekend? Oh, I want to give a shout out uh, to Mark Sims. Mark Sims, frequent guest on this show, sent me two... Links that were really helpful to me got me through this weekend. Two highlights of my weekend that I'm going to talk. One was uh, an interview on uh, NPR, and the other one was Bill Maher link. Uh, about uh, tara reed so i'll get to uh let's do the npr one first i'm gonna think
1: oh we love npr here on the ben Jarowski show. well this
2: is the irony okay it was the terry gross fresh air show and i have been known to make fun of npr from time to time i find it exceedingly annoying and i can only take about i don't know five ten minutes of it at a time but i do love terry gross she does she does a, a an interview show. I don't know if you ever heard it. It's called Fresh Air. And I often many times when I'm walking at night, D, I fantasize about Terry Gross interviewing me on the show. So I'll have like a fantasy interview in my head. Of, And she'll be like, Ben, that's absolutely fascinating. Because she's always like really into what the people say. That's really interesting. i like, well, you know, what can I say, Terry? I'm just a fascinating, interesting guy. <laughs> tell, me, <laughs> tell me more about your opinions. And, well, Terry, it's funny, you should say. Anyway, so I'd really like Terry Gross. I could do a Terry Gross interview. Um, that's really interesting, Dr. D. That's sort of my Terry Gross interview. Oh, great. Anyway, wow. but- we'll never get an interview it- on this show. <laughs> but anyway, it wasn't even Terry Gross that uh, did this interview. It was her substitute, Dave Davies, who's pretty good himself. Uh, and he was interviewing Molly Ball, and she is the Time national political correspondent, the national political correspondent for Time magazine. And she just wrote a bio biograph- What's her name? Molly Ball? Molly Ball. Is she Emma- related
1: to Crystal Ball? Uh,
2: no. She's not related I don't think so Mm. and she's not related to the last ball and she's not related to baseball and she's she's a cousin a distant cousin of basketball uh but uh anyway Molly Ball Time Magazine political correspondent she just wrote a biography of Nancy Pelosi Babs if you're out there I'm gonna give a little love to Nancy Pelosi uh Babs is always giving me a hard time because of my love for Nancy Pelosi the crush I have on Nancy
1: always is somehow an understatement with Babs (laughs)
2: uh Uh, And uh, doesn't Monroe kind of like Nancy Pelosi as well? I think Monroe has a little crush on Nancy Pelosi.
1: Well, I heard both of you were going to Pelosi Palooza,
2: but it got canceled. <laughs> Pelosi Fest. Uh, so anyway, it's a fascinating interview. Uh, I urge everybody, not now, but sometime <laughs> later, uh, to listen to it or just listen to one By the way,
1: shout out to Michael Girardi, uh, the author of The Editorial Board. Uh, he says, uh, Ben hates NPR, but he loves the most NPR show on NPR. I know.
2: By the way, can I just give a shout out to Michael Girardi? He kind of saved our necks this weekend. Oh, yes, he can, did. Can I just tell this little story? <laughs> (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. I forget what interview we had done. Miles. It was Miles. It was the, the interview had ended. And so we do these interviews on Dennis's phone. Uh, And Dennis's phone is always running out of batteries. It's like I'm looking at the phone while we're doing the interview, and I I get nervous when the battery thing goes down and it's like, battery alert. Eh, eh, eh. And it's like, uh oh, it's at 10%. Is the phone going to die in the middle of this interview? But Dennis always assures me it's like a gas, you know, the the gas gauge in a car. No, no, no. When it gets to empty, it's still got 100 more miles out of you. You ever hear that one? Uh, Don't worry about it, but it's below, it's in the red zone. No, no, no. I know this car. You got 20 more miles miles this thing. <laughs> oh my god anyway so um it's a similar thing it's like a gas gauge it's his phone it's like it's really low i'm getting nervous but miles is on a riff he's going great i don't want to cut him off uh so we finally get through the interview and uh, take care of miles see ya and i go did the phone die and dennis at that point oh i was cursing like a sailor said something a uh, nut He nutty nut. Everybody thinks, oh, Dennis never swears because you know he's always getting mad at me for swearing. But he may have dropped the f bomb. It's
1: funny. Like on Friday's show, I just admitted to the world that I'm white trash, and then on Saturday, (laughs) boy, I proved it.
2: So, Mike, give Michael credit. He listened to the interview and he thanks, man. Yeah, Yeah, he really saved our necks.
1: Typically, when we do these bonuses, I you know I chop off the end of the interview, chop off the front. But we were doing back to back ones. We did Miles, and then Mike Novak. And, uh, well, you know, uh, I (laughs) forgot to chop off the end of that interview. And, then Ben, you're not too innocent on that either. You said (laughs) MRF for like four times.
2: Yeah, I guess I did. Anyway, Michael, (laughs) fellas, you might want to get rid of the end of that interview.
1: Thanks, Michael. I edited it. So there's a a handful of people who heard that uh, bonus content there, Uh, about 70 of you. So.
2: Yeah. No, but you're absolutely correct about me loving the most NPR, NPR. What does that say about me? I don't know. I need psychiatric care. But anyway, uh, going back to the interview, fascinating interview with uh, Molly Ball. She pointed out a few things about Nancy Pelosi. Uh, Nancy Pelosi is an interesting combination. She grew up in Baltimore in a large Italian Uh, a catholic family her father was the mayor of baltimore uh and uh it was basically he was a practitioner of democratic machine politics and so she learned from the master of democrat democratic machine uh politics and uh what are some of the uh principles that uh machine politicians follow we know this if you follow chicago politics one you learn how to count so you make sure you have the votes you need to pass the legislation you want. So very important uh, to be able to count your legislators, know which way they're going to vote. You also got to know which ones have leeway. So, for instance, you know this is Mike Madigan's master of this. Maybe uh, you can't. Oh, I know you're not allowed to say anything well, nice like about
1: and, uh, <laughs> nice about Mike. <laughs> oh, zoom your ass out of my face! Oh, <laughs> you're not
2: allowed to say anything nice about Mike Madigan. Um, <laughs> Uh, ever. He's a scholar. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, he is the, the maestro of the count. So, for instance, he knows like uh, he's got to give leeway to voter, to some of his uh, uh, caucus members who live in areas where there's a lot of Republicans so they get to vote no on a tax hike. Let's say, I'm just making this up as I go along as an example. And this is one of the reasons offered as to why Mike Madigan stifled so much progressive legislation down for the years uh, in the uh, General Assemblies because he didn't want to uh, put his... Um, his caucus members at risk. The same accusation can be made against Nancy Pelosi. In fact, uh, I b- believe Babs is gearing up to make that accusation. And he's absolutely correct. He's typing as we speak.
1: <laughs> as we speak, and getting ready to post on our <laughs> Facebook page
2: uh, and uh, let Monroe. Have. We got to get Monroe on tomorrow to uh, defend Nancy Pelosi. But- I want
1: a Monroe versus uh, Babs. Special.
2: Well, when we get back to the studio, maybe we can make that happen. We had some great debates back in the studio before the pandemic hit, particularly... Um, oh, I mean, After
1: the pandemic, they all suck. Well, well, no, I
2: mean, we didn't have the debates in the studio. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Uh, David Seaton versus uh, Micah. Remember that debate? Oh, That was a great one. David Seaton, the Joe Biden Democrat and Micah Bernie supporter. Oh,
1: I remember that. That was the time I became a bouncer for the uh, <laughs> Ben Jarofsky show. Hey, hold on! Like splitting, getting in the middle of people. I,
2: and then uh, Troy Lavier versus Candace. Uh, uh, um, Castile remember that debate that Uh was a great debate Uh, and I think she was for Elizabeth Warren he was for Bernie anyway so some great debates in those days maybe we can get Babs versus Monroe talking about Nancy Pelosi but uh, she's a machine politician so she can count votes Uh, never forget a favor this is something the machine politicians they do something for you they never forget it in fact uh, Molly Ball tells a story that uh, Nancy Pelosi's mother kept the favor file, and it's literally they wrote down the names of all the members of their organization and all the favors they had done for them so they would never forget them. I think Nancy Pelosi has that ability just to reach it, You don't have to write it down. Uh, she just uh, always remembers, never forget a slight. This is like out of Michael Jordan. I... Uh, this is a sports-related thing I could say.
1: There was no Mountain Dew down there. Uh, Not going again.
2: Uh, Michael Jordan, what, what is a huge motivating factor in his life, Or he never forgets a slight. Somebody said something nasty to him. Someone doubted him. Someone trash-talked him. He uses his motivation, uh, and it just propels him on. And, and Nancy Pelosi has a lot of that in her. Uh, and then, of course, the master of leverage. When you see the other side is vulnerable, when you see the other side uh, has sort of a split, you use that as a wedge issue to, uh, to divide the uh, Republicans from each other. Uh, when, when, they, when you feel that they need you for anything, you leverage that for something you can get in return. So these are just some of the tricks of the trade uh, that uh, Molly Ball pointed out that Nancy Pelosi learned from her father and her mother uh, their mother had great political aspirations of her own. Fascinating stuff from Molly Ball, uh, and I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to reading uh, her book. Uh, and then she goes on to talk about a little bit about Nancy Pelosi, the fact that from growing up in this uh, Democratic machine household in Baltimore, she got married to a man, very fabulously wealthy in San Francisco, and she became part of like a very liberal San Francisco-type politics. She was a contemporary of Harvey Milk. It's kinda of hard to think of, you know, Harvey Milk was killed uh, at a relatively young age. He was in his 40s, D. And so he's just frozen in our minds as this young man, as this uh, activist, uh, a gay rights activist, and one of the first openly gays to get elected to uh, public office. So it's, it's hard to think of him as getting old. Nancy Pelosi's now 80. But she's basically Harvey Milk's age. They came of uh, politically came of uh, age at the same time in the nineteen seventies in San Francisco, along with Diane Feinstein. So she's very socially liberal uh, on that front, and so she kind of marries machine tactics with social liberal, uh, liberal practices. The part about the interview that I found most relevant was when Molly Ball starts talking about Nancy Pelosi's attitude toward Barack Obama, and. This is one of my favorite themes. Nancy Pelosi, according to Molly Ball, cannot really understand Barack Obama's attitude. Toward Republicans, she was a little fr- she liked Barack Obama on a personal level. I mean, how could you not? The guy's very charming, but she could not understand Barack Obama's attitude that somehow or other he believed that Republicans wanted to work with him. She always thought that was kind of naive, uh, and uh, you know this this notion that we just heard in 2016 from Michelle Obama when they go low, we go high. This notion that somehow or other this is bipartisan spirit in the Republican Party. It, it's not existent, of course, and uh, Barack. Barack Obama preached it, and I think it was to the detriment of the Democratic Party. I really do believe it's to the detriment of the Democratic Party. And I hope at the very least, at this moment, we can abandon it, although the Democrats have nominated as their candidate uh, Joe Biden, a man who seems to very much uh, believe in it. Uh, But uh, Nancy Pelosi didn't Fall for that. She felt that Republicans were not to be trusted in any way and that they would always work against the Democrats because that's what had worked so well for them in the 20 years or so that she had been in Congress coming up to the Obama administration. So fascinating stuff for, about Nancy Pelosi and how she plays the game. Uh, the other thing I want to thank Mark Sims for sending to me was a link to the Bill Maher Show. Uh, where Bill Maher talks about Tara Reid and her accusations of sexual assault against Joe Biden. And uh, Dee, I sent this to you, correct? Yeah, I sent it to you. Yep. Yeah, I remember. I sent it. Mm-hmm. I listened to it. I said, I said to Dee, we gotta play it. And then Dennis pointed out, well, Bill Maher probably sue us because he
1: doesn't play around. Yeah, I'll give you a like a shortened version of the clip. Uh, it sounded something like this. Oh, come on, people, <laughs> people. Huh.
2: Yeah, Bill uh, People. <laughs> does a good imitation.
1: Okay. It's not a good impression, but it's just that he says people a lot.
2: No, he, it is a pretty good Im- uh, impression. Come on, people. Uh, anyway, the gist of the bit, I think it's about five minutes long, uh, is that he uh, does not care about Tara Reid's accusation. He doesn't care about the accusations because, uh, number one, beating Donald Trump is paramount more important than absolutely anything else. So what Joe Biden may have done to Tara Reid 27 years ago is completely irrelevant to this absolutely important uh, m- uh, challenge that the Democrats face, and that is defeating uh, Donald Trump. Donald Trump is a disaster. Uh, and then um, in addition, he doesn't care because he's frustrated with Tara Reid. And he's particularly frustrated with her because he doesn't understand why she waited until this exact moment in political life to come forth and tell her story. Why she couldn't have told her story. He points out, he goes, I can understand uh, why she didn't tell her story in 1993. uh, Because it takes somebody a long time to work through uh, these kinds of uh, offensive, like if it's true... It would take uh, 20 years. It could take 10, 15 years to work through uh, the assault and be able to just talk about it publicly. And I can understand that as well. But why she couldn't say it last uh, summer when there were still, what, 20 Democrats running for office. And so we could have had a different nominee. I've been dealing with this one uh, before Tara Reid. Everybody knows I was not a very huge fan of Joe Biden. To put it mildly. And I was real. I'm really frustrated uh, with the fact that uh, he is the nominee. I've got this like this bizarre Cory Booker thing, you know, where like 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 why
1: couldn't we have nominated Cory Booker? I, I don't know where mm. that came from.
2: He wasn't even on my list last summer. You yeah, remember and there's name? a
1: reason. There's a reason why he wasn't on your list. Let's not forget that. I reason.
2: know there was. A, I mean, because of his stance on charter schools and big pharma. Uh, yeah, it just. But for some reason, I don't know. I just. He's not afraid to go after Trump. He's, he's youthful, vigor, whatever. I don't know. I'm just kind of all of a sudden, out of nowhere, after it's no good anymore, I'm feeling Cory Booker.
1: Well, I was hoping after this weekend you'd be riding with Biden, but I guess not.
2: No, well, you know, I, I, I already said I'm going to vote for the guy. I got a lot of issues with him. But this is the frustrating thing. Uh, Ter- if Terry Rita come out with her accusations last summer... I don't know if Joe Biden would be the nominee now. That's I don't I do not know if that would be the case. Anyway, we're stuck with Biden. So this is what uh, Bill Maher had to say, and I started sending it out. I was just curious. I did I sent it to Dennis. I sent it to a lot of uh, Democrats, old, young, men, women, black, white, everybody. I just sent it out to a whole bunch. Hey, what do you think about this? And I had to. And 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 by the way, I told him, your comments. I will keep your names, your identities, secrets. I'm just. I'm soliciting your opinion. And D, I have to tell you this overwhelming response. They agreed with Bill Maher. Overwhelming response. Men, women, black, white, young, old. Overwhelming response, D. Got to tell you that. And uh, I like, okay. So it's like the silent majority of uh, Democratic voters are with uh, Bill Maher on this thing. Uh, anyway what happens in the aftermath rose mcgowan uh, actress and uh, one of the leaders of the me too movement may- came out forth had the guts to come up with uh, her accusations against harvey weinstein uh, sent out a tweet where she said um where we go she talks about an encounter she had with bill maher on bill maher's show back in the 90s what was it called The politically incorrect remember that show Yep, yep. Yes, I do. Um, and where bill maher allegedly leaned over to her during a break in the show and said and i'm quoting My parents didn't give me a good face, but they did give me a huge cock. Oh, my God. I could feel your hot breath on my ear. That's the end of the quote. And this is Rose McGowan. I could feel your hot breath on my ear as an image of both your hideous face and alleged big cock flashed in my mind. Both turned my stomach. I've always wondered what you say and do to girls that aren't famous. Rose McGowan weighing in. And I'm like, could there be a worse representative of... (laughs) <laughs> the Democrats' attitude toward Terror read then Bill Maher? Could there be like a worse person in the world to make this case? No response, by the way, from Bill Maher on uh, what R- Rose McGowan had to say. And um be interesting to see how he talks his way out of this one. We got a great show today, everybody. Lior Galea will be here. Lior, the, the reader's ace... Uh, music writer. Remember when he came on, D, uh, talking about the great albums?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's one of my favorite things to do uh, when Leor Galil comes on the program. Uh, make fun of you because you know nothing about know. modern music.
2: No, uh, well, modern. I guess anything after 1979. Nope, never heard of it. Anyway, uh, Leor is the, the reader. Uh, I've been talking about this a lot. The reader is going to come out with its greatest hits books. Uh, he, I think there's like five or six different writers are collecting their works into a greatest hits book, which the reader will sell. Uh, we're trying to write raise money we're trying to stay afloat in this very uh, uh dubious times we've been hit hard by the pandemic folks we don't hide it the readers really um we lost a lot of advertising because so much of our advertising comes from uh, nightclubs and music festivals uh and and uh bars and restaurants and these are the very of course establishments that have been closed because of the pandemic so we've been hit hard we're trying different fundraising uh, efforts I-, I will have to come out with the greatest uh hits uh book d i'm the last on the list all right hey, well they said that they're gonna hold off with me the longest because i'm the oldest Aww. uh you know
1: <laughs> well i just
2: have a lot more to go through than Aww. everybody you know i mean i've been doing this longer than any of the other yeah, that's writers.
1: how i'd look at it too
2: the youngsters uh at the reader they're all young writers at the reader they go, oh grandpa ben and uh, anyway <laughs> Uh, Lior Galileo. it's a great compilation, and I urge everybody to run, run, and uh, go out and buy it. We'll bring Lior on. Uh, we'll go through some of the stories. he got an interesting one about, uh, we got a political one. D, I could, my whole world comes together. Lior wrote about Andre Vasquez, the Alderman of the 40th Ward, uh, who is a former rapper, and he also, uh, wanted Galil, I want to talk to him about Chance the Rapper. Galil was one of the first writers um, to realize that there was a superstar emerging from Chicago, Chance the Rapper. Hey, Ben,
1: what's your favorite rap song?
2: my Favorite rap song, yeah. Um, uh, my oh, the one that I we've been down this Kanye, oh. uh, Dee Dee Dee. Everything dee, dee, dee. I am makes me everything I'm not. Dee 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 Dee. dee. Come on, dee, we've talked about this, don't you? Do you know that song?
1: Uh, every no, I, I mean I may know it, but uh, based on that interpretation, I'm uh, unaware <laughs> of what that song is. It, it
2: starts off. He goes, "Common, drop the beat, and I got the deet. I don't know. We gotta get. it. I need some help.
1: Common, drop the beat, and I got the beat.
2: <laughs> it was something. So it's like Common came up with this uh, this rap, and uh, Kanye changed all the words, and it was really popular. What a jerk! I know. I well, but you know well, uh, but I was like, I really got into it. I used to listen to it all the time. Of course, that was like five years ago. I've forgotten everything. Everything I am makes me everything I'm not. Do,
1: do, do. Well, Google that. Let's or see maybe if we it's can find everything out. I'm
2: not makes me everything. I don't. You know what? I'm going to have to ask Lior about that one. There we go. <laughs> okay.
1: There we go. Uh,
2: and is uh, Who Let the Dogs Out a rap? Oh, my God.
1: No, <laughs> please. You're embarrassing us.
2: Who Let the Dogs Out? No, what is the other one? What was the, uh, like one of the first ones? One of the first rap songs? Yeah, from like way back in the
1: day. Like, I, th- I think you're talking about, uh, well, there's two. I think I know you're talking about either uh, the Rapper's Delight. Yes,
2: I love Rapper's Delight. Yeah. How's that go?
1: Hip hop, hippie to the hip, hip hop, and you don't stop? I'm rocking. Yeah, man. The I like bang, that bang, one.
2: Uh, and then uh, there's a song. Walk This Way. Walk This Way is a Aerosmith
1: song. With Run DMC. Yeah,
2: okay. Look at me knowing all this stuff. Yeah, way to go. Uh, 30 but the, years old. Uh, Mature. There's the young one was on my bowling team, and he still played. Every Monday night, he would put on uh, just one hip hop, hip hop song after another. So I kind of got to know him a little bit. You know, and then I would forget. But there's one. Locked up, can't get me out. Locked up. You know that song? <laughs> no. <laughs> God man come on you gotta know your hip-hop oh yeah <laughs> locked up boop, boop, boop. anyway I really don't know hip-hop folks I'll be honest with you yeah we just uh, learned that <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. thanks for the honesty we kind of figured
2: uh so anyway there was a um herbie Hancock song uh back from where I talk about this all I can't do, 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 I'm not gonna even try to do that back in 1983 I want to say. So anyway, that's uh, Lear Galeo coming on. Can't look, uh, Looking forward to that. Can't wait. But before we do that, the young man from Alton, the man they call Dr. Doobie with the news.
1: Hey, guys. How's everybody doing? You guys getting used to wearing a mask yet? Well, you better <laughs> be wearing those for a while. Uh before we find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois, let's go to the live stream chat here. Uh Ben opened the show today uh talking about uh not his favorite trilogy, what we've learned Friday. Uh but we we've gone on to talk about trilogies on the live stream chat. Uh I believe it was our good friend uh who said something about trilogies. Uh I think it was uh it wasn't Kyle. Oh, here we go. Jim. Jim says, third movies never work. Jaws 3, Godfather 3, etc. And then Kyle weighed in and said, I don't know, Jim. Robocop 3 did have a samurai robot. <laughs> samurai robot. That's pretty cool, right? That is pretty cool. Ben, can you think of any uh, number threes uh, of movies a, I, that I, I, aren't yeah. bad?
2: aren't bad that are not bad well you can argue that godfather 3 is not bad uh we gotta bring uh adolfo on to talk about this he's our expert our resident we expert.
1: haven't had adolfo on in a long time right,
2: adolfo we're bringing him on to talk uh the godfather trilogy uh but um i know i'm with them uh but they pretty much run out of steam uh, there was a couple of vacation movies do you ever see the vacation movies oh, hell, yeah. With- <laughs> hell yeah i've seen those okay i think like number three might have been. Oh, Rocky 3 wasn't. I don't know. Rocky 3? <laughs> Rocky 3. I'm just trying to. I'm now mixing. But those up. were
1: movies that were like built for a sequel. You know what I mean? Like a lot of the movies, they're just like, oh man, this made a lot of money. Let's
2: make another. Yeah, no, I, even Rocky 3. I can't really remember Rocky 3. Was Rocky 3 the one with Living in America? That Was that Rocky 3? <laughs> I can't remember oh. which one. Uh, so um, I remember the song, uh, uh, Shaft Goes to Africa. That just
1: sounds horrible.
2: Shaft Goes to Africa was, I think, his third. It was Shaft's big score in Shaft.
1: That's up there with Ernest Goes to Jail.
2: <laughs> yeah, I can't think of a, you know, this is a Sergio Mims segment. A whole Sergio Mims segment on uh, has there ever been great third movies. But definitely in Friday, they had run out of steam after the second one, and they were just going on the fumes. Do you remember the premise of Friday, the, the third Friday one, D?
1: Uh, security guards and Santa Claus. That's all I really yeah, remember. Yeah, that's
2: exactly. It was Christmas in L.A. They got a job as mall security guards. That's and,
1: funny. They're, they're probably going up to him. Uh, yeah, we're done with the Fridays. Oh, actually, we want to do last Friday. No, no. That Friday after next, that was the last the Friday. One. We're but, done. No by the more. Way,
2: I hear there there's a fourth one coming out.
1: Last Friday? I would imagine that would be the title, right? Uh,
2: could be. Uh, I hear there's a fourth one. But John Weatherspoon won't be in it, obviously. He passed on last year.
1: All right, live stream chat. What are the good uh, number three movies? If you're listening on the download, feel free to weigh in as well. BennyJshow at gmail.com, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J show at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us on social media, Benny J show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J show. Let us know if there is a good uh, number three movie that we are forgetting about. Is, uh,
2: I can't. Re- I can't think of any offhand. I really can't. Jaws either. three was terrible. Jaws
1: three was terrible. The third Batman was probably uh, the least of the three of uh, that Christopher Nolan movie. I'm trying to think. Back to the Future three wasn't that great. I didn't even know there was a Back
2: to the. Future. Yeah, it was like 3.
1: Western theme. I heard like if you go back and watch it, it's better. But back-,
2: back to the Future one is one of the weirdest movies of all time. Just throwing that out there. Back. Back to the Future. Very weird movie. The guy goes back and his mother falls in love with him. and I don't know. Kind of weird stuff going on in that movie, D. Just saying that there. I'm throwing that out there.
1: Apparently, uh, our live stream chat listener, Pat Rod, saw me driving. He weighed in. Uh, Dude, I don't have a car. So it may have been some other (laughs) balded... Bearded fella, Uh, let's see here. Oh no, it says, uh, "Hey guys, I saw Doctor D, Doctor D driving north on LSD over the weekend, and he posted a picture of someone, not me. It's their car, and their license plate says Doctor D. That's what it is.
2: Someone stole your name. Oh yeah, yeah, Doctor D. (laughs) That's pretty funny, man. Yeah, the real Doctor D, who uh, does not have a car but he has a little license plate on his bicycle right
1: next to the bell. And yeah. it says- Translation, the real Dr. D is <laughs> pathetic. Do you even have a bell on your bicycle? No. no. I just go, hey, get out of my <laughs> way. All right, let's let's uh, let's find out what's happening in Chicago and Illinois this afternoon. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker, after his first weekend off in over 60 days, the governor went back at it on Monday with his daily COVID-19 press briefings. Today's press briefing is at 2.30, and I guess old jacket buttons Pritzker is <laughs> looking to switch it up. Maybe it's a sign of better days ahead, maybe not, but today's press briefing Will be via video conference.
2: Yeah, well, that's because one of his uh, trusted aides has the virus or tested positive. Oh, wow, for it. that's and not so he's good in, at all. So yeah, he's in lockdown uh, at the Gold Coast uh, mansion, which I'm not going to make any toilet jokes. Please don't. Okay, just not. Okay, it's inappropriate in this time of pandemic to refer to old toilet jokes, but. Let's mansion. not forget
1: about that time. J.B. Pritzker saved over $300,000 in property taxes by removing uh, his toilets in his mansion. Please yes, don't bring that up. I will
2: not bring How do you remember the 300000 part? That's really <laughs> impressive. Uh, we talked about that a lot uh, on the old show. And uh, so, yeah, he's um, he's on lockdown because one of his aides uh, tested positive. And as Donald Trump oh my goodness this is something we'll be talking about with Monroe tomorrow a lot look out for that one Uh, two people in the White House have tested positive so Donald Trump's kind of on lockdown too we'll see how much uh, he he, uh, bows to the protocols
1: Whatever you do, don't bring up that time when all of us regular broke people were paying property taxes, all spending all of our money. The billionaire guy saved $300,000. Don't bring that up. I won't bring it up. Thank you. I think I did bring it up, though, but I won't bring it up
2: again. <laughs> don't okay? bring it up. I'm I'll... just saying he was in that very mansion with the toilet. Okay, he took the toilet out. He forgot to put it back. You can forget. Can't... Have you ever forgotten anything, D? Huh? Okay. <laughs> he forgot to put the toilet in. All right.
1: And it looks like a couple of Illinois business owners were taking uh, notes a couple of weeks back when the Illinois state rep out of Xenia, Illinois, future 2022 gubernatorial candidate Darren Bailey sued Governor Pritzker over his stay-at-home order. More people are suing Governor Pritzker. We're going to talk about that more uh, in moments. But first, Ben, our former Illinois governor. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, our former uh, yeah. Illinois governor came out of hiding over uh, the uh, what was this uh, over the weekend. Uh, you know, we do a show, a show on Tuesdays. It's kind of hard to tell if it was on Monday or over the weekend. But yes, our former Illinois governor was back in the news. Yay for our teachers!
2: <laughs> Yay for our teachers! Oh God, yeah, that's our <laughs> old friend Bruce Rauner.
1: Ugh. NBC 5's Marianne Ahern has the scoop And lucky her, she was in a text message conversation With the, thank God, former Illinois governor uh, Bruce Rauner Now, obviously, uh, here uh, she was talking with Bruce Rauner uh, And uh, let's see here, one sec I gotta look at our Bruce Rauner material here All right, yeah, we have quotes from Illinois Governor Bruce Rauner. But just quotes. We don't have uh, audio on this, I know, that bum's been out every time. Yo, D, man, we got audio? (laughs) Nope, just me reading them. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) That's how that goes. Uh, But people, we're playing the hits today, right? We're going back to some vintage Ben Jarovsky show material. Back when Ben wasn't fired and I had good health insurance, good times. Uh, We're going to make fun of Bruce Rauner like the old days here. Uh, Let's see here. So through text, former Illinois Governor Bruce Rauner criticized the guy who politically beat the ever loving hell out of him. Governor J.B. Pritzker and Pritzker's handling of the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, Let's see here. He thinks, uh, Rauner thinks this is all in the Pritzker agenda. All right, all of this here. So let's read the quotes. Uh, Rauner said about Pritzker's handling of the coronavirus, quote, (laughs) I
2: always love those
1: Pritzker. (laughs) I mean, the Rauner imitations. Keeping economy shut is a trifecta for Democrats. Uh, Justification for income tax hike in November justification for federal bailout of states and a horrible economy for trump's re-election we've put this problem almost entirely on the backs of our of uh, uh, children who are virtually at no risk from this disease trillions in debt and they have to pay, uh, pay back lost jobs and internships and loss of virtually an entire year of their education when you factor in summer loss and, uh, uh, and limited internet
2: and enrichment opportunities all right i don't even know wow where to begin with this 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 proves my this goes back to the nancy pelosi conversation how you never expect a republican to act in like a good faith a partisan non effort here's bruce rauner weighing in from the sidelines like anybody wants to hear what he has to say in the first place uh, first of all, what, what, what is the the opening line uh, justification for an income tax? You know, like the income tax he's alluding to is the fair tax proposal that J.B. Pritzker uh, wants the state to pass that would raise the rates on the highest earners like J.B. Pritzker, like Bruce Rauner, so that the rest of us don't have to pay the same rate they do. All right. That's something that the Republicans have been resisting uh, for a long time. So what is he saying? Like. Pritzker is ordering everybody to stay at home because, oh, I know. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to have everybody stay at home so that the state goes broke and people will pass the fair tax. Good idea, boss. Like... Pritzker came up with this notion. That's why Pritzker's at the Gold Coast mansion. You know the one with the toilet D. That that's why Don't hiding. talk about oh, it. I'm sorry. That's why Pritzker's at the Gold Coast. He's really carrying it to the next extreme. It, it has nothing to do with the fact that one of Pritzker's aides got the virus, that people are dying of the virus, that hospital workers are freaking out because they're overwhelmed by patients with the virus, that everybody's freaking scared they're going to get the virus. No, it's got nothing to do with that. It was a here's what we do. We'll all lock in in our home, make everybody stay in their homes, put everybody out of a job, and then people will be so desperate to fund the state, they'll pass the income tax uh, hike. What a dumb idea. You know what I'm saying, D? And by the way, various Republicans down through history, I'm thinking of Jim Edgar, have acknowledged that the system we have in Illinois, where everybody pays at the same rate, is a ridiculous system. Uh, and that the Republicans have used this as a political tool down through these years to keep people like the Democrats in check. So this is part of the reason why we have uh, the, the financial crisis in the state of Illinois right now. It's because nobody is ever even remotely realistic about what it costs to finance government. And so we always we, we increase the obligations we have on government without increasing the funding of it because we're too afraid uh, to deal with, what, taxing the wealthiest in this state? And uh, it's in part because, well, in part, a large degree because the Republicans like Rauner, who uh, keep pushing this as an issue, and then you got Democrats like Madigan playing the game like, I'm, I'm not going to come out with a tax hike, not if if Rauner's not going to do it, and here we are, ladies and gentlemen, cautious Democrats and aggressive, obnoxious Republicans. What a lethal combination. So wait, what was the second point? Oh, children, no risk? What is he... What? Does he, what does he want? Does he he want to just open up schools? Oh, just keep, schools are open. There may be, if they're not at risk, it's because they're not in school where they can catch the virus. Did you ever think of that? I mean, I I don't know. Was he saying that he wants the schools open? Is that what he's saying? Or is he just saying, talking smack on the sidelines? Because it's easy to talk smack. You know what, I I wish, like they had that moment, like in the, uh uh-oh. I'm going, to make, I'm going to give a political end to this. Don't worry, D. I'm going to make a last just dance. Just don't talk about that bulls thing. Okay, but just there's a moments in the last dance.
1: Oh, my God. Where
2: someone will trash Jordan in an interview. And then this is, a, I know you haven't seen the last dance. One Whoa. of the few people in my world who hasn't seen the last dance. Uh, and so then the uh, filmmaker will cut to Jordan and show Jordan what the person is saying. And then Jordan gets to respond. So in the last dance, he always gets the last word. So wouldn't it be funny, you know, like if, uh, if, if this worked in real way, yeah, Prit, uh, J.B. Uh, uh, Pritzker's talked some trash about J.B. and then they cut to J.B. Well, I, uh, nah, he's actually nice. He's not like Jordan. Jordan goes through the throat. So, yeah, but not uh, just the notion that he's going to open up the schools, that's his solution. Uh, we, he wouldn't have closed the schools. I don't know. I think even Republican governors have closed the schools in their state. You don't want kids getting this virus. Ridiculous.
1: Well, I think it's safe to say that if uh, Governor Rauner uh, were still the governor in 2020, we'd probably be right there with uh, Georgia, right? Opening up or, you know, not closing at all? But-
2: I, well, f- that is great. Uh, well, jo- Georgia was closed. First, Georgia was open. Then they closed. Then they opened. Now everybody's waiting to see uh, what's happening. it's
1: we, we would have been one of those states, right? If Governor Rauner was still around? I don't know. Would Rauner, what would
2: Rauner, God help us, what would Rauner have done? Uh, if he he would be doing the opposite thing somehow or other he would turn this into uh, a reason why we don't uh we should just declare bankruptcy see that's the other point he made we shouldn't seek a federal bailout so we should just go bankrupt that was Mitch McConnell's attitude Bruce Rahner entertained the notion that Illinois go bankrupt despite the fact that if you go bankrupt you have to borrow uh costs a lot more to borrow money oh now I know why he wanted to go bankrupt <laughs> Because his pals and the lending. Yay for our teachers! Yay for our teachers! Yeah, you mean yay for our bankers? Yay for the people that we're going to go to pay higher interest rates. So if if there's no federal assistance, you know, he's like he's chastising Pritzker. He's like blaming Pritzker. Here's the plan: they're gonna they made up this virus so that they would have to go, they would shut down the economy, and then they would have to go to the feds to bail out the state. That's what they're up to. Like the. What, what, is he saying the virus is not real? I don't know, man. Thank goodness. What I don't know what he would do if he was the governor. D. All I could say is, thank God he's not the governor. The guy couldn't pass a budget.
1: Yeah, and... He couldn't uh,
2: pass a budget because he hated unions so much.
1: I'm not sure what it'd be like if a governor, if a Rauner were governor with the COVID-19, but I do know that uh, if he were governor under this, boy, all of us would be stone cold sober. <laughs>
2: Oh no! Liquor stores
1: and <laughs> weed. Yeah,
2: no, don't buy oh, it illegally. Yeah. Oh, that was his big no. Remember? Oh goodness, no, no, not gonna do it. Went downstate. Remember that that famous interview downstate? Nope, nope, never gonna do it. Never. You know, uh, uh, Hickenlocher. Remember he talked about the governor of? They always throw out that poor governor of Colorado. He was against it. Uh, even um, Pete uh, PC Peter Cunningham comes on the show and talks about. You know, he was against it. Ben first. But then uh, the voters made him do it, and he came to see the light. They always throw that Democrat out. <laughs> Poor
1: guy. So that was fun, wasn't it, Ben? A little uh, throwback there, yeah. doing some Bruce hey, Rounder Bruce stuff. If, if you close your eyes, it's almost like you're a WCPT 820. But then you open them, <laughs> and you go, oh, yeah, we're in the attic, and there's the damn brown line there, chugging along. Oh,
2: yeah. I got a feeling I'd be in this attic even if I hadn't been fired, by the way. <laughs> Just
1: saying. All right. Now about those folks suing Governor J.B. Pritzker for his five-phase restore Illinois strategy. Let's begin with phase one. I swear to God, J.B. Pritzker, if you keep trying to announce these phases, we did that last week. The following comes from the Illinois political bulldog, Shia Campos in Illinois Politico, the attorney representing two Republican lawmakers in separate cases challenging Governor J.B. Pritzker's emergency powers has three new clients. This attorney's this. just rolling in the dome. He is. <laughs> yes. I just picture him with a pile of money on a bed just throwing it up in the air, yeah. rolling around. Uh, but he has three new clients. These three new clients, a hair salon owner and a restaurateur with two Establishments. Thomas DeVore, in the five cases, argues that the governor has neither constitutional nor statutory power to implement consecutive 30 day COVID 19 state of emergency orders. If the governor doesn't have that power, DeVore argues he cannot extend stay at home orders. DeVore also alleges that the Illinois Department of Public Health and local health departments, not the governor, have, quote, supreme authority to enforce stay-at-home and business closure orders and the procedure outlined in law should therefore be followed pritzker on april 29th called the cases filed by ben's favorite republican representative <laughs> darren bailey of xenia and well a close uh second john cabello of mcchesney park they called it irresponsible uh, we got a quote here from. Let's see here. Uh, let's. This is. This is from uh devore uh devore says quote we're in the business here of keeping people safe and healthy that's what the stay-at-home order has been about and i just think Cabello's lawsuit is just an... oh this is pritzker yeah it's, i was it, gonna yeah.
2: say this is not <laughs> this it's a lawyer, Tuesday, guys yeah. <laughs> i'm
1: trying my hardest uh, that's what the stay-at-home order has been about and i just think Cabello's lawsuit is just another attempt at grandstanding devore in an interview disagreed with pritzker's assessment the suits he said uh, aim to, quote, get what's right for residents of this state. I would respectfully say that this unilateral action as executive officer are irresponsible because that's not how these type of situations are to be handled. This is DeVore. He said it's irresponsible to suggest that a lone executive at any level of government, local, state, federal, wields that kind of power Over people. All three of DeVore's most recent filings against the state are nearly identical. According to the documents, the establishment owners have, quote, no doubts Pritzker will at some point come before a judge with reams of paper and a team of attorneys proclaiming that he was doing what was necessary to protect the people of the state. But that has absolutely no consequence whatsoever because the lawsuits allege that the governor does not have the authority to order businesses closed. That power rests with the Illinois. Department of Public Health. Ben, your thoughts on well, this?
2: Well, you know, there was a great Rich Miller column, and I'm glad you raised this. And uh, Rich Miller does an outstanding job. He's from Capital Facts, and he writes a weekly column for the Sun-Times that runs every Sunday.
1: He's the meanest Illinois political bulldog in the yard.
2: And the, headline, <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Uh, and the headline in this column is, thinking about reopening early, insurance may not protect you. I'm just going to read the, the the opening. to. I hadn't thought about this until I read it uh, on set, Sunday. And you know, D, I, I thought, I got to talk about this at the outset of the show. And I forgot about it. It was all that talk about Bill Maher. Uh, and I, I forgot to give Rich Miller his shout out. Uh, so, Rich Miller wrote this Governor J.B. Pritzker has repeatedly said he's delegating enforcement of his stay at home order to local governments. That stance has frustrated some folks who want him to get tougher with violators. Uh, and the governor's position seems to have emboldened some local officials to defy his executive order and open up their economies on their own. But when local governments refuse to enforce the governor, governor's orders, it appears that trial lawyers may step in and insurance companies may take a walk. And so he goes on to out to talk about some of the counties uh, in uh, some of the areas in the state that have defied Pritzker's order. East Peoria's mayor. East? Did you have, do you know anything about East Peoria? D?
1: I have a friend who lives near Peoria. I'm not sure if it's I, east or west. Yeah,
2: I. But he said East Peoria. Utter ignorance. I do not know of. Uh, East Peoria. So I've just got to say that. I was not aware of East Peoria. My apologies to the people of East Peoria. I've been to Peoria, I know Peoria. But anyway, East Peoria. Our
1: West Peoria listeners are like, yeah, take it to East Peoria, (laughs) those
2: bastards. Uh, East Peoria's mayor has gone beyond uh, that, officially allowing the opening of several businesses in this city on May 1st that were ordered closed by the governor's executive order, including hair salons, spas, gyms, and indoor recreational facilities. Uh, On May 15th, bars and restaurants will be allowed to reopen at 50% capacity and churches and theaters also will be allowed to reopen on that date. So there we go. The mayor of East Peoria according to Rich Miller, is openly uh, flaunting Governor Pritzker's declaration that the state shut down and he's opening up the uh, hair salons. He's allowing churches, uh, restaurants to open up with some uh, limitations, of course. So my point is the executive order is not like written in stone. Their local authorities have the right to defy it. So why is Darren Bailey going to court? Why doesn't he just talk to the leaders of Clay County? Hey, pretty good for knowing that, D. Clay County, that I remember that he was in Clay. Why not go to the leaders of Xenia and say, hey, Mayor, let's open up our, our little town. Let's open up the luncheonette. Let's open up the hair salon. Because, obviously, it's part of a larger political strategy uh, by the Republicans, and Bruce Rauner's playing into it to try to rouse up their base to make it seem as though that the Democrats are exceeding their authority without reason to what? Destroy the economy? To make Donald Trump look bad? To what? Uh, Get the federal government to raise taxes? I don't know. They keep coming up with different theories all the time, but they want to present themselves as innocent victims as part of their need to present themselves as victim, even though they have more power than the Democrats. Uh, they present themselves as victims to sort of keep that base together on the even of election. It's got nothing to do in this case, obviously, with Pritzker exceeding his authority. If folks down in Darren Bailey country wanted to defy Pritzker, according to Rich Miller, they have the right to do it right now. So why are you filing all these lawsuits? Games that people play, D, the games that people play.
1: Well, speaking of games that people play, Ben, for 10 trivia points... What is the population of East Peoria, Illinois?
2: Oh, you looked it up, or did someone tell you this? I looked it up. Well, since I'd never heard of it before. This is
1: from a 2010 census, by the way. A little dated, but you can get a good idea of what the
2: population is. Well, that's the last census. All right, uh, I would say it's
1: 2,314. 2,314. Let me channel my inner Regis film. (laughs) Is that your final answer?
2: (laughs) Do I get a lifeline no. or something? <laughs> Final answer? Can I call Mark Sims? No. All right, yes, yeah, 2,314.
1: Holy crap, you're wrong. It's uh, the population, according to the 2010 census of East Peoria, 23,402. Wow. <laughs>
2: I was right. I had the two part, right? Oh, yeah, oh, the wait, two I did, part, I had right. the first two numbers right.
1: Ah, yeah, the first two numbers. Yeah. That works. Hey, Regis, give me something for that. <laughs> Little East uh, East Peoria knowledge. How there. could
2: we not know about East Peoria? It has twenty three thousand people in it, huh? You're from. Th- you're
1: my downstate go to guy. I'm more downstate than Peoria. All right, let's end it out with some city news here. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot.
0: We will shut you down. We will cite you, and if we need to, we will arrest you, and we will take you to jail.
1: You go, girl. <laughs> Oh, my God. Today, <laughs> Mayor Lightfoot is at Chicago Public Safety Headquarters to congratulate new firefighters at the Chicago Fire Department graduation ceremony. There's the brown line. Take a toke. <laughs> <sighs> The following, you take
2: the, the following <laughs> comes
1: from the Chicago Sun-Times and the one and only Fran the Woe Man Spielman. By the way, if you haven't listened to the latest Fran Spielman podcast, you really should. Her latest guest, well, is a lady who will probably uh, never be on our <laughs> show anytime soon based on this thing. We yeah. will
0: shut you down. We will cite you. And if we need to, we will arrest you and we will take you to jail.
1: In fact, I think uh, every time <laughs> we play that quote, a month goes on. There, we'll, yeah, no, we'll never have uh, her on. we never have We're up to uh, twenty months.
2: But, yeah. The- By the way, just, you, didn't you tell me in the uh, our pre-show prep meeting? I love our pre-show prep meetings. Yeah, <laughs> they're great, aren't they? Eh, think, they're half-assed uh, at I, best. I, I, I treat Dennis like him. Serve him donuts, and there's coffee, and uh, yeah, in the break room, <laughs> we have a break room. <laughs> here in the attic uh anyway did you tell me something about pritzker and a haircut it's just thinking of Lori. It's not a haircut. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. I got some Pritzker haircut news. All right. Before we get to the Mayor Lightfoot news here, let's talk uh, more yeah. about Pritzker's haircut. Okay, Apparently, yeah, Ben's clarify. just been dying to talk about this. Pritzker's haircut. Uh, the following comes from Illinois Politico. After more than seven weeks under the stay-at-home order, everyone is looking at how to trim their hair. Reporters on Monday noticed that Governor J.B. Pritzker's locks looked spruced up and inquired. Now... JB Pritzker said he clipped at his sides and he, quote, asked his 15 year old to give a little buzz on the back of my hair. And that's it. I haven't had a haircut other than that. Mm. That's the hair story you wanted mm. me to read.
2: Hmm, a little doubtful about that. First of all, I'm a little, you know, irritated. I liked it when, remember when uh, haircut gate erupted and Lori Loughlin got in trouble because of her, hair, her haircut? Which Looked is- good. <laughs> it was worth it. And then... uh we opened our big, not, not Dennis. He was very good about it. I opened my big mouth and said some things that I probably shouldn't have said where it says, what was your uncle Aldous' quote? Rules for thee, not for me. Now,
1: well, it's <laughs> rules for thee, not for me. That's what they're doing here. Yeah.
2: Which is why I'm sure Lori Lifer would never, ever, ever come on the show again. But, um, uh, when asked, I remember, uh, Pritzker had that great comment about, well, I'm not getting my hair cut. I, I look like a hippie. I thought that was a pretty good line and I was hoping he would just let it grow you know what i mean just let it grow this is we're all in this together okay and he would have a ponytail at one point i was really looking forward to that pritzker with a ponytail finding his inner 70s you know what i'm saying maybe break out break out the the bong every now and then listen to little steve miller that'd be the
1: worst uh, governor ever after i don't know why i just really don't care about governing anymore well yeah he started smoking pot and you got a ponytail
2: (laughs) he's listening to old steve miller records (laughs) But I was disappointed that uh, you told me that he got a haircut. And by the way, and I'm not buying it because the hair looks pretty good. And this is one of yeah. my... Out of kind t- of an
1: insult to uh, uh, hairdressers yeah, out well, there, this right? Yeah, uh, my 15... Anybody yeah. can do it. A 15-year-old. Oh, yeah.
2: Anyway, and this is a sensitive thing. So, yeah, I'm married to... Uh, A hairdresser. She's really good at what she does, and one of the fringe benefits is I am the only guy who can legitimately get haircuts during the uh, pandemic. In fact, that
1: big shaggy (laughs) mess you got on your head—you need that, huh?
2: I know, and and every now and then I get a hair. Anyway, so uh, but we watch a movie with a hairdresser. You always there's always a scene in a movie like oh not always, but there's movies where um, the uh, the protagonist for whatever reason, it's usually a girl, uh, will decide she's going to cut off her hair. You know what I'm saying, Dave? This is this is like a, a standard scene in a movie. She cuts off her hair. My wife will go, "Watch, it'll be a perfect haircut." And sure enough, like th- the protagonist will look great. Like somebody could just look in a mirror and cut their hair and it look great. Anyway, so I don't know, JB. I'm thinking you may have brought in the same uh, hairdresser that Lori Lightfoot brought in.
1: <laughs> just saying. Anyway, yeah. I had to get it out. Toilet gate. I don't know, man. I'm with you, but hair this haircut, haircut thing never. All right, let's let's uh, let's talk about Mayor Lightfoot here. Uh, she's at the uh, Public Safety Headquarters to congratulate new firefighters at the Chicago Fire Department graduation ceremony. Uh, let's read an article here from the one and only Fran the Woe Man Spielman, uh, Fran Spielman's podcast. Mayor Lightfoot is the guest, so go check that out. The closest thing to having Lori Lightfoot on the Ben Jarofsky Show is Lori Lightfoot on the Fran Spielman podcast, so go check that out. I'm sure she asked different questions than what we'd ask. Mayor Lightfoot said Monday that she had a, quote, very pleasant conversation with the pastor of an Albany Park church that defied the statewide stay at home order and hopes to educate them into compliance. Mm-hmm. That's a sentence. Uh, avoiding mass arrests, uh, she said. "Quote: We're not going to send in the police to arrest parishioners. People are exercising their faith, and I understand that. Uh, but it's a mistake to gather in large congregate settings, particularly if you have an underlying medical condition uh, or you are otherwise in a vulnerable population." That's hopefully the dialogue that we'll be able to have with the mm. pastor lightfoot has not hesitated to play uh, the heavy during the pandemic ben what are your thoughts on this
2: well, i'm gonna get in a lot of trouble i better watch what i say but i don't know it uh our politicians our leaders pick and choose when they're going to take a stand on who is violating the stay at home and uh so
1: yeah, it's, these people at the church—they're uh, all—they're all old enough to vote. Uh, you know, we're gonna—you know—let them go wrong. Well, these it, kids that don't vote, I'm gonna it, harass yeah, them. Mean,
2: well, there's this narrative again that the Republicans are putting out that they're victims and that the Democrats are intruding on their uh, liberty, their First Amendment protected liberty to practice their religion by going to church. This is one of their favorite themes, and Democrats are really scared of being the heavy on this and looking like they're anti-religion. And so you're absolutely correct. So when a pastor of a church in Albany Park decides to blatantly defy uh, the order of Pritzker and the order of Lightfoot not uh, to uh, have uh, public services, They don't send in the police. They don't send anybody in because they don't want to look as though they're picking on religion. They don't want to play in there and they're going to have respectful dialogues. Uh, Fast forward to some random teenagers playing uh, basketball on a a court. (laughs) Lori Lightfoot shows up with the police chief. Right? It's talking about infecting their mamas. Remember that one, day We haven't played that one in a while. Yeah. And so it's not a respectful dialogue or exchange or conversation. It's go home now because you're a danger and a menace to society because obviously no one's going to defend the kids playing basketball. You know what I mean? The Republicans aren't going to do a counterattack saying kids should have the right to play basketball. The Republicans don't like those kids at all.
1: The Lord is not on that those kids' side, all right? The Republicans, those
2: kids don't feed into the Republican narrative at all. Some black kids playing basketball on a playground on the south side or the west side or wherever it was do not fit into any narrative that the Republicans have other than maybe, well, I'm not even going to say that. Um, i really try to watch what I say. So um, it's just this political game that's being played. And Lori Lightfoot realizes that if she goes too far uh, in trying to enforce her stay-at-home rules, that um, there'll be a counterattack from the Republican Party, that she's anti-religion, and so she respects that. But obviously, there's not going to be a counterattack to Lori Lightfoot going around telling kids to get off the court. And they shouldn't be playing basketball. Lori Lightfoot's absolutely correct. That's uh, endangering the public health. That's there's a chance to spread the virus she's absolutely correct just like people shouldn't gather outside oh the blue angels are flying all right let's go outside and look everybody's gathering and looking <laughs> well, well you know i heard that you can't get the virus if you're looking at the blue angels you know what i'm saying so uh you know it's just interesting picking people pick and choose who they're going to get tough with uh in this virus and again that's the Republican Party they get the Democrats they're in the heads of the Democrats you know what I'm saying D so they, they they're pretty good at that they get into the heads of the Democrats and the Dems are afraid to take any kind of stand
1: well, Mayor Lightfoot would like to weigh in
0: we will shut you down oh. we will cite you and if we need to we will arrest you and we will take you to jail
1: okay okay we get it well I got they're not
2: taking any uh, parish, uh, any uh, pastors to jail that would look really bad Donald Trump would tweet it out. There'd be like a million lawsuits. Darren Bailey would be, I told you. And yeah. then Bruce Ronner would weigh in. Oh, oh, oh they're, they're against uh. religion. Oh.
1: <laughs> so once again, throwing uh. pastors into jail, really bad. Throwing just regular people like you and me who really didn't do anything to jail. Yeah, that's cool.
2: Well, the Republicans don't care about you or me. No. Suddenly, Donald. Can you imagine if they threw us in jail? And then Donald Trump tweeting out, I really like the Ben Jarovsky show.
1: So, there you are. That's the local news, guys. Coming up, we're going to be talking to Leor Galil. This guy knows so much about music, and it's one of my favorite things on the Ben Jarovsky show when Ben talks to Leor Galil, because Ben's pretty much clueless yeah. when we talk about any music after the year 1979. Yeah. Guys, you don't want to go anywhere. It's going to be a fantastic interview. Leor Galil is a very knowledgeable man. More coming up. It's the Ben Jarovsky show. We are live from Ben's attic, and please feel free to reach out to us. You can reach us on email, bennyjshow at gmail.com, B E N N Y, the letter J Show, at gmail.com Benny J show on social media Facebook Twitter and Instagram Ben how's our Instagram account doing really?
2: I did a I posted a photo the other day D. I I realized I hadn't posted in a while so I took this picture of myself with a bottle of Irish whiskey you like Irish whiskey D yeah I like Irish whiskey and uh, so I took a picture of myself with a bottle of Irish whiskey and my mask I was wearing my
1: face mask. There's nothing going on these (laughs) days, huh? And, you know, I
2: like Irish whiskey. A lot of people weighed in. They like Irish whiskey, so.
1: And you can send us a voicemail. That's right. We have a phone number. Uh, Last week, Mitch McConnell called us. Who knows who's going to call us this week? (laughs) 708-658-4788. The number again, 708-658-4788. Leave a voicemail to The Ben Jarofsky Show. We dare you. All right, coming up after the break, it's Lee Galil. Don't go anywhere. It's The Ben Jarofsky Show. And yes, we are live from Ben's attic. So come on, baby, you don't need to go. No. Yeah, come on, baby, you don't need to go. Everybody safe and stay home, Chicago. Right, Stubbs? Yeah. Because two doubles to four and three doubles to six. Before you even know it, you made everybody sick. So come on, baby, you don't need to go. Oh, no. Let's keep everybody safe. And stay home, Chicago. Please. Oh, that was depressing, huh? Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from Ben's attic.
2: Leor Galio with me. Lior Galio, music writer for the Chicago Reader. Saying, uh, staying safe and sound, right, Lior? I hope so. All right. How's that? How's the quality of this one?
1: Well, he hey. just said three words, so let's keep going, and then I'll let you know.
2: <laughs> All right, Leor is on because the the um the reader just came out with his greatest hits, uh, Leor. leo you're too young to have a greatest hits, but you already have a great. You're the first one out with the greatest hits.
3: Well, I, my my question to that is, how old do you think I am?
2: <laughs> well, you're a lot younger than I am, so we'll just leave it at that. Um, uh, <laughs> by the way, I, before when we were introducing you, uh, I said that. Uh, you're coming on, you're talk about your greatest hits. We're also going to talk about uh, summer festivals and uh, the ones that have been, well, everything's been canceled. But for some reason, Lollapalooza has not officially been canceled. We'll talk about that, the impact of the virus on the summer festivals. And then uh, Dennis, of course, he t- started teasing me, Lior. Can you believe this? I got to put up with this stuff because I don't know any music after 1979. And he goes, Lior Galileo's an expert on hip hop. Ben, what's your favorite hip hop song? And so, you know, I, the one I always cite... Which I don't know if you remember. Rap- no, well, yeah, that one rapper. <laughs>
1: the first the rap first song, basically.
2: One. um, but there's a Kanye West song that for some reason I don't know how it filtered through the blockade I have around my head that uh keeps f- new music out. Um Everything I Am makes is what is it? I think it's called Everything I Am. I couldn't remember the words, typical me.
3: And it's he the, doubted it. He didn't even know the song. But you know that song, don't you? Uh, so my, my big secret is that I'm not much of a Kanye person, period. Like I've seen him several times and I've listened to a lot of his albums, but I can't tell you the names of most of his songs. And my favorite album of his is the one that I think most people write off, which is 808 and Heartbreak, which is where he barely raps.
1: Wow. Yeah, that album, like you go back and listen to it, like it's really not that great. Like at the time, I think it was kind of cool. Like with the auto-tune, that's when it was like really, you know, but you go back and listen to it now. It's like it really... I, think, I,
3: think, I think it aged uh, a lot better than some of his other material, and it was kind of prophetic in the way that uh, auto-tune would be used by rappers. And in the coming years, like a lot of rappers have taken more to this rap singing style that he employed on that album.
2: Well, I'm just going to defend myself and say there is a song. uh, It's called Everything I Am. It's by Kanye West. I'm not making this up. I'm not completely delusional. I'm (laughs) I'm not a raving lunatic in my attic. Okay, maybe I am, but it's not reflected in this particular case. It's Everything I Am, and it starts, Common passed on this beat, I made it to a jam, Everything I'm not made me everything I am. I swear to God, I did not make this up. There is a Kanye West song that goes that way, and I hope there's somebody out there uh, in, in the I'm world. I'm looking it up now. Okay, yeah, because nobody believes me. Oh yeah, The song's just... called
1: <laughs> Everything I Am.
2: I believe it's called Everything I Am. That's what it's called. Oh, okay. All right, there you go. Common passed on this beat, and I made it into uh, to a jam. All right, Kanye West. All right, uh, Lior, first of all, let's talk... Uh, about the greatest hits. Um, sure. no, no, let's, before we get to the greatest hits, he's got uh, uh, that just dropped yesterday, I want to say. Let's talk a little bit about the impact of um, the virus on the summer festivals. We'll get into the greatest hits uh, in a little while. You were telling me some interesting things yesterday when we were talking about this. Uh, everything has been canceled, is that correct? Except for Lala? Almost
3: everything has been canceled. Lallapalooza has not officially announced anything uh and from what i understand it's because there are a lot of behind-the-scenes mechanics that uh that have to be dealt with before officially announcing a cancellation of an event that hosts nearly 200 acts uh you know the the the, after south by southwest got canceled that festival had to lay off i think a fourth or a third of its staff because of the amount of money that they lost on this, you know, major event in Austin, and there were they had insurance, but uh, insurance covered covered every covered shootings. I think it covered like some disasters, but it didn't cover a virus. So, and since you know, since COVID really hit the U.S., a lot of insurance companies seem to be dialing back their coverage of virus <laughs> virus related cancellations. So I. I'm genuinely curious what the behind the scenes mechanics at C3 presents, which puts on Lollapalooza, must be like for an event of that size. Um, but I can't imagine a world in which they would be transparent about about any of that. Uh, but considering that Lollapalooza books a lot of acts that are on the road, that are their you know their summer plans are touring the country. And those tours take them to Chicago for Wallapalooza specifically. None of those tours are happening. So the ability that, you know, we don't live in a universe where if there was a cure tomorrow, they could relaunch that festival. Most of the performers don't have the wherewithal to be able to, you know, be able to get there. Although I'm, you know, this is all conjecture. There was no lineup announcement. So who knows? I, you know, I can't tell you uh, who they had selected that could, feasibly get on a plane tomorrow and arrive in Chicago in time for La But there's they're just the, the machine that goes into putting on that event is so large that uh, yeah, I don't I don't really know what kind of legal hole they must be in where they cannot announce this. And I don't know what kind of legal agreements they've made with the city where the city's like they will they will they will make this call before we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, because every major event has been cancelled.
2: Well, the one that you said today wouldn't briefly, uh, has not officially been canceled. Didn't you tell me Riot Fest was not canceled?
3: Yeah, Riot Fest is in September. Uh, I don't, uh, you know, even though the city has said that any large events shouldn't happen, that seems far enough in the future where they haven't been pressed to make a decision one way or another. But again, I think it's, I I can't imagine that that actually will happen. It it just seems illogical. Uh, Until they're secure, it doesn't seem like they're going to be
1: major
2: festival i cannot imagine uh, a major festival at this point it's actually
1: one called riot fest
2: yeah uh (laughs) I, i i just cannot even imagine just i mean i'm so so locked into the uh the the covid mindset People walking down the street, I immediately go an opposite direction to avoid the social contact. you know what I'm saying, Lior? I mean, I'm just so... Here we are in the attic. I'm just so locked into what life has been like for the last two months. I cannot possibly imagine a scene like Lollapalooza. And I, I don't know yeah. how long it'll be before we get that.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's 100,000 people crammed in a Grand Park, and you really are crammed into there. The I mean, just... The, the thought of using a porta potty, of using the same porta potty that everyone else has access to, there's no way to do that in a way that is uh, in, a, in a way that would make people comfortable during a pandemic. Uh, until there's a cure, that just seems like a huge health risk. You know, there there are water fountains where you know there are these huge troughs where people get water so that they don't pass out in the sun because this takes place at the end of July and early August. Uh, that is a public health hazard when there is a pandemic or when there's a, you know, a virus like this, that the, the entire infrastructure just doesn't make sense in, uh, in our current environment. Uh, so yeah, just uh, packing people into a, to a space outdoors or indoors just doesn't, isn't wise. So why do it?
2: Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's going to be a while before it is. All right, let's move on to uh, Lior Galil's greatest hits. You're the first one out of the box Uh, First of all, tell people how they can get a copy of it, and then we'll talk about some of the stories that are in it. So tell people how they can get a a copy of Lior Galil's greatest hits.
3: Sure, there's there's a post on the Chicago Reader webpage uh, that includes a link to the ActBlue website where you can purchase a copy. Uh, You can purchase a physical copy or just a PDF. Both come with the PDF, which will you can download immediately. Uh, The physical copy will be physical copies will be printed next week, and then we'll take a couple of weeks at least to ship to people. But yeah, go to the Chicago Reader website and it's available to purchase right
2: now. And uh, talk about the selection process. I'm sort of fretting what I have to go through uh, and I've been delaying I, it. You're first out of the box. Talk about the selection process.
3: I mean, it, it, uh, it was challenging because I you know I generally tell people that I treat every feature that I'm working on like it is my favorite story because that is how I feel about it. I want to be excited about what I'm working on and I'm fortunate enough that I I'm the person who generally comes up with my own story ideas and develops them and and so I am excited and and the stories that I do work on I love uh so I've been contributing to the paper for a decade that's a lot of material to go through but I knew that I wanted to have some sort of like breadth of, of genre and breadth of characters to show just kind of like how wide my uh just just how far and and I've, I've kind of gone to my reporting on Chicago music and all the little uh, niches that I've, I've kind of observed in the past ten years, not confined to a single community or a single category of music, and also to show that there are ways that all of these, you know, seemingly disparate characters and communities are interrelated, uh, in part because they exist in this, you know, in this fascinating city that we live in.
2: All right. Well, I'm going to talk about the one uh, that's probably uh, most appropriate for this show. It's a political talk show. And then I'm going to talk that has to do with Andre Vasquez, who's an alderman of the 40th Ward. And I'm going to talk about uh, ask you about the Chance the Rapper, sort of the um, like the first story about Chance uh, that show that's introduced this uh, budding superstar, uh, at least to reader uh, readers. Uh, and then I'm going to put you on the hot seat and ask you for which one is your favorite. I'm not going to let you duck and dodge like like you were the mayor of the city of Chicago the governor of Illinois. All right, we're going to put you on the hot seat. Uh, so, I got to go. All right, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So Ben, the phone's ringing. Oh, sorry. Uh, so let's um, let's start with the Andre Vasquez story. Uh, I remember when you wrote the story. Fascinating story, Andre Vasquez the Alderman of the 40th Ward. Uh, he uh, had a whole a life, a previous life, uh, before he decided to go into politics and run for Alderman. Uh, and it came back to almost haunt him uh, in his race against uh, Alderman Patrick O'Connor, 2019. Talk about it. Uh, Andre Vasquez's previous life and uh, his current one.
3: Yeah, Andre was a battle. Yeah, Andre was a battle rapper. Like he came up in... Uh... A Chicago scene that had a national renown for freestyle rappers. Two of, there used to be this event in Cincinnati called Scribble Jam, which was like this huge freestyle battle rap uh, competition uh, and Chicago supplied two champions, uh, Juice and Rhymefest. Uh, Rhymefest who battled Eminem at, uh, at Scribble Jam. I believe you wrote about that at some point, right then? I <laughs> believe it. I did yeah. write about it.
2: It's all ancient yeah. history. I wrote about it. Yeah, uh, but anyway, we'll not discuss that. one. Um, you
3: know, you, you know about music after 1979. Uh, <laughs> but uh, all this to say yeah. that yeah. that um, you know that Andre uh, performing under the name Prime came out of that world that is so specific to Chicago, where there were just like where battle rapping was uh, like a, a definitive skill that you had to think and you had to react to what's going on around you. And it's, you know, it's, it's nasty and heteronormative. And uh, Andre, you know, since this, you know, I think even before getting into politics knew that there was, uh, you know, a lot of toxic aspects to this, but I wanted to contextualize this culture to a public that, you know, that I knew didn't necessarily See any of this as anything but a negative because the, uh, the experiences of being a participant in a community are so important, I think, to somebody who wants to see political office. You have to navigate what it means to rely on other people and what it means to be a participant in something that, that requires other people there and that, uh, that grows because of the collaborations you do with other people. And Andre certainly encountered that in his time in the hip hop scene. And I, I wanted to show that. I wanted to show how I think critical it is to his growth and his development. And I think his, uh, his growth since then also relies on the, you know, the best parts of being in that community Um, because it wasn't all, you know, terrible toxic language. It it, it was a lot more than that. And I knew that, and he knew that uh, his, Uh, his opponent would take advantage of that and take some of the things that he said on record or during battles where you're supposed to say the most vile things about your opponent out of context uh, and suggest that that's what he thinks as a human being. That's not the case. Um, Yes,
2: sir. Did you know Andre before he ran for office? Did you know him back in the day when he was a battle rapper, freestyle rapper?
3: No, I mean, I moved to Chicago around the time that he was, He was winding his career down, but I've like come across his music in you know in my years of living in Chicago and and in uh, you know writing about the hip hop scene. He was part of Mulman, which is one of the most important uh, hip hop collectives in Chicago history. Uh, And I'd I'd find prime records on eBay when I'd be scouring eBay to you know to to kind of dredge up something that I might have missed in the past. Uh, So he was always a present, but I didn't put his you know, his stage name with him, the person until uh, until I started writing a story about Sharkula early last year. And Sharkula ended up in, a, in the hospital when Andre was there uh, with one of his kids. And Andre took a photo and posted it on Instagram saying, like, we need to care for our, our neighbors. And I was like, what's going on with this? And I noticed that he was running for alderman and uh, kind of started to piece everything together and realized that it, this would be a really interesting profile.
2: Uh, it was a very interesting profile and let's talk a little bit about uh, the attempt by Patrick O'Connor uh, to uh, use Andre's pass to undercut him. Uh, so let me just position this a little bit. Uh, the 40th Ward is on the north side of Chicago, a little west of Western Avenue. It's well everything's so gerrymandered in the city of Chicago. Patrick O'Connor has been was alderman uh, going back to 1983. Uh, he was uh, the floor leader for Mayor Daly. He was the floor leader for Rahm Emanuel. In my humble opinion, this is me speaking, not Leor. He should have been voted out of office because he was the one who uh, got to shove the the, uh, the parking meter deal down everybody's throats, or at least uh, try to twist the arms of Alderman into supporting it when he was the floor leader for Mayor Daly. That in itself uh, should have encourage voters in the 40th Ward to defeat him. He somehow or other was reelected again, despite the, um, the parking meter deal 2019 Andre runs against him and it's a crowded primary and there gets to a runoff. No one gets more than 50% of the vote and you knew it was coming. Patrick O'Connor trying to hang on to his political career, dug up these uh, lyrics from Andre's pass, and I think he put him on a flyer. Am I right about that?
3: Didn't he put him on flyers? He didn't put him on a flyer. He put them on on tons of mail-outs. You know, he had, he had uh, packs that were sending, like, mounds of mailers with this, you know, horrible language that Andre, even before this started, uh, publicly apologized for and went out of his way to kind of meet with members of, you know, the LGBTQ community to, to say, like, hey, you're going to hear stuff like this. That is not how I feel. Uh, and yeah, it was it was interesting to see just how intense this uh, attack campaign got. Chicago Magazine published a story about like essentially the pounds of, of mailers that would appear at, in apartment buildings that people were just like, this is disgusting to me. It's, it's You know, I saw a few quotes of people saying this is worse than the intention, than you know than the original thing that's being quoted because that uh that was for a specific audience and for a specific context and this is shoving it in our faces in a way that's that uh is gross and demeaning uh and you know pat o'connor was also applying on a lot of racist tropes about hip-hop and specifically uh you know a culture that has that you know that was made by people of color and uh that is used time and again to uh to put of color through the ringer, Um, and all of that, it's just it's gross uh, <laughs> to, to put things in place.
2: Yeah. And, uh, so anyway, it backfired as you're pointing out, uh, people started getting mad at Patrick O'Connor. <laughs> I think there was this debate I th- and I'm on. I'm, and it uh, was a debate, uh, where, um, I can't remember if you wrote about it in your story, uh, but, uh, Patrick O'Connor was actually reading some of the, um, Uh, the offensive uh, uh, quotes from Andre's past. And it really looked bad, Uh, you know what I mean, for him to be reading it. uh.
3: Yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, a lot of that, yeah, it did serve as some terrible language, but I think it backfired in in ways that he didn't predict. And the fact that, you know, I I think the fact that it opened the door for Andre to have a much larger platform to apologize and to be like, yeah, I don't like that any more than you do, Mm -hmm. yeah. and you know it, it it made it made the tactics beyond questionable
2: uh and and uh, yeah so it worked uh, to against uh,
3: patrick o'connor and the
2: voters of the 40th ward uh, i'm happy to say came to their senses on this one uh and they elected andre vasquez and then to, to, to show you how um, far removed he is from at least from uh, his rap past he he did a, he sponsored this sing along event. I don't know if you know this. Uh, he sponsored a sing along. I'm doing this off the top. I forget when it was. We we're all staying at home, and the song he chose to sing along to was not a rap song, but was uh, "Lean On Me," which is a song from my generation. Okay, he went back to the, <laughs> he went back to pre '79 days. Uh, "Lean On Me" by Bill Withers. So I was like, "All right, Andre, showing me a little something there." Uh, so that's I mean, one- Bill did just. Yes, he did. He just passed. Uh, yeah. Did And um, sad day in my household when Bill Withers died. All right, uh, Andre Vasquez, it's one of the greatest hits, runs for Alderman. And the other one, one of the other great hits uh, in uh, Lior Galil's collection has to do with uh, Chance the Rapper, a 2013 uh, story you wrote about uh, Chance the Rapper. Talk a little bit about that. This is before he, of course, was a, a superstar, before he was... Um, on Saturday Night Live and with his, his uh, own TV show, Punked, and and national commercials at the Super Bowl and so forth. And uh, How did you find out about Chance the Rapper? How did you uh, connect with him?
3: I mean, he's a star. he was a star locally uh, even before he dropped his first mixtape. He dropped his first mixtape in 2012, and he sold out Lincoln Hall, uh, and I was there for that show. I interviewed him for the first time in late 2011 for a profile on some of his uh, on a couple other rappers who were, you know, childhood, one of whom was childhood friends with him. Uh, they had formed a collective called The Village, and uh, they were part of a young hip-hop scene that was just starting to bubble up, and this is before uh, most of these acts considered to break out nationally. The only group out of this that had any kind of national presence was Kids These Days, which is from the Save Money Collective, which also included Chance. Uh, and they had played Wallapalooza they had some late night exposure but uh it was still a fairly localized uh phenomenon and and a a phenomenon that was largely followed by kids who were in high school uh and uh by profiling the village I uh I you know reached out to Chance and first interviewed him then and, and since then had been following his his progress as a as a rapper and as a writer and uh i I had interviewed him again uh, in the fall of 2012 because he was headlining Metro uh, for essentially a pre-acid rap uh, event. I I think initially they had planned to drop acid rap that fall, but instead just dropped, had had only a single out at that point. Um, but yeah, it, it seemed obvious to me that this guy was was uh, was different and and had this you know hard to pin down star quality and. I, I was touched by a lot of the material that you know that he had put out. He, his first mixtape was pretty raw in a lot of spots, but there was there was uh, something unique about it that I I kept following. Um, so it was just a matter of, of continuing to write about him. I I, uh, I think I was just doing doing my doing my job and following one of many musicians in the in the community that was interesting.
2: And then there was a a line where you uh, you wrote your story, the story that's in the uh, the anthology, the greatest hits of Leor Galil, uh, you wrote the, the chance rapper story about, uh, acid rap. And then what, he changed the lyrics of one of the songs on there to reflect the fact that you wrote about
1: it.
3: Yeah. So the, the issue that included acid rap on the, the acid rap feature on the cover of the B side came out on a Thursday. I think acid rap came out like six days later. Um, and yeah, he uh, he re-recorded a verse on the second track "Push a Man" to reference the Reader story, and also a story in Red Eye that my buddy Ernest Wilkins wrote on Chance, like a day or two later. Uh, that was his other uh, big uh, cover story that week. Uh, so yeah, he he really uh, kind of hit every newspaper in, in town uh, by the time that Acid Rap came out, which is yeah, which is really cool i remember sitting at my desk at the, uh, at the reader offices which were then in the sometimes building the previous sometimes building not the old not the oldest sometimes building and uh, and hearing a track that i already heard but noticing that uh, very subtle change and going oh wow that's
2: that's interesting yeah that's pretty cool so that's uh, in the anthology as well all right so here comes that moment no more ducking and dodging no more running out the door uh, hey, Lior Galil, your favorite story uh, in the anthology?
3: I think I hear my mom calling. I got to run. Um, uh, yeah, that that's so tough. But I think I, I think I'll go with the story that I lead the collection with, which uh, is a piece on Willis Earl Beal, who is a musician that I uh, I found a flyer that he left in myopic books. Uh, that uh, it was a drawing of of a slender black figure that turned out to be him. Uh, And there were just a few sentences on it. Uh, And I believe it said, I'm looking for friends and stuff. I am not a weasel and included his name and a phone number. Uh, And I called and didn't get through. I have an out-of-state area code. And I realized later that I was calling his grandmother's landline. He was living at his grandmother's place on the far south side. I looked him up online and one of the few things that I found about him was a link to a personal blog post by somebody who lived in Albuquerque who had uploaded a bunch of songs that Willis had self-recorded with found instruments on a Radio Shack karaoke machine and they were so symbolic and and loose but really vivid and imaginative and it really took hold of me it was uh it was so striking and I just knew that I wanted to to reach out to the person who had made them because it felt like he had reached out and touched me in this way that I couldn't really explain, still kind of struggled to explain. And I knew that I wanted to introduce that music to other people. So eventually I did get a hold of him and we met uh and talked a you know a few times. And I uh wrote this story and after it came out within a week, uh somebody from XL Records, which is Adele's label, which put out like Vampire Weekend and and put out a couple of Radiohead albums, or I think maybe just In Rainbows by Radiohead. Basically the largest indie label in the world uh, reached out and signed him uh, based on my article.
2: Not uh, bad.
3: And yeah, yeah, he put out a couple records, opened, he, he did a tour opening for Cat Power, uh, who also appeared on, on one of his records and, he started in, in a movie called Memphis, uh, which included some of his music. And uh, he since left the deal with XL and has, make, has been making really fascinating, challenging synth-based music. Uh, uh, and, yeah, he's a, he's a remarkable person. Uh,
2: yeah. Well, I think we may have lost Lior there. Oh, no, there Sorry. he's back. Yeah. You, we lost you for just a moment, just a yeah. moment, Lior. Uh, yeah,
3: Sharko, Sharko was actually...
2: All right, Lior, one last time before we let you go. Tell folks where they can get your greatest hits. uh, Uh,
3: Go to the Chicago Readers website. There's a link to the Axlou listing, uh, and you can purchase it right now and start reading it right now.
2: Well, it looks really great, and you're the first out, uh, so I guess this just means one more week before getting closer when I have to do mine, so I'm gonna to have to go through it one more time. Leor Galil, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. You take care. Stay safe. Yeah, right. thanks. thanks for having me. Take care. That's a great Leor Galil. Uh, I love that Andre Vasquez uh, article that he wrote because uh, you know he he did he he defended not he he didn't defend just Andre Vasquez. He just defended rap music, hip hop music. He just went after. <laughs>
1: Well, the live stream okay. listeners were hoping to hear a freestyle rap out of that interview, but I guess we're not going to get that, huh, Ben?
2: Well, I did. Kanye, you know? it's Apparently, nobody knows that, so I'm the only guy in the world who's ever heard oh, of yeah. everything I there am. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Common passed on this beat, and I, ma- I made it to a jam. I believe that's the opening line. <laughs> Just hearing you me.
1: quote that. Do it one more time. Quote the song.
2: Common passed on this beat, I made it to a jam. And then it goes... do do do, 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 do. This doesn't Everything sound the same I'm when an old white guy
0: recites it. I don't know what it
1: is.
2: Hey, man, Kanye likes old white guys. Remember he in the White House <laughs> with Donald Trump? Yeah, yeah, He's wearing the MAGA hat?
1: He, okay. loves, he uh, loves old
2: white guys.
1: Uh, Trump loves that song, too.
2: Uh, <laughs> they do Trump doing... Give every-
1: cum in the beach. <laughs> Hey, speaking of you being old, the live stream chat's having a good time talking about your age. <laughs> oh,
2: yeah, I'm an old guy. It's good man.
1: times. You're not that old, really, if you uh, really, uh, <laughs> you know.
2: Well, if you compare it to like a redwood tree, no, uh, but uh, <laughs> you know they've been around for how many years? Uh, but yeah, uh, my music is the '70s. I'm a '70s guy, and uh, you're so old. Okay, now
1: Brianna, she had a great comment on the live stream chat. <laughs> she says Benny J is so old that his social security number is one
2: so Brianna will be at zany's this weekend get your live,
1: and then more people call you an old bastard but listen we got to talk about some updates here all right hey have you guys ever noticed that uh since you've been quarantined uh you'll go to uh order something on grubhub and typically a meal that would cost you seven dollars costs thirty dollars yeah. have you noticed that yeah that happened to me the one time i did grubhub by the way the last time <laughs> I do Grubhub, my broke ass isn't doing that anymore. Well, the following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times, and holy cow. Won't stop because she can't stop. Fran, the woman man, Spielman. Uh, she says Chicago food delivery services will be required to come clean about third-party mm-hmm. delivery costs under new rules championed by Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot to arm consumers with the information that they need to vote with their wallets. Uh, we have a quote from Lightfoot. Lightfoot said, quote, we just had a delivery at my house last night, and there was very little transparency around where the yeah. different charges were. We're going to fall. And who was going to be bearing it? Well, thank God that she did delivery last night because now we're going to get on the case. Ben Drusky, have you experienced this? No, because I don't
2: use what third-party deliveries. I don't even know what Grubhub was, and then someone had to explain it to me. So, But I'm with you, Lori, 100%. I go to the restaurant myself. This is something weird about me, D. I actually go to the restaurant, got my little mask on. I chat with the person at the front. You know, I get the food directly. Give uh, the tip to the person who gives me the food, so it's not like being passed to a third party. Uh, so that's just how I do it. In fact, just got to, this Saturday, went to a Chinese restaurant. Delicious,
1: mm-hmm. guys! I just put a gold star sticker on Ben's uh, shirt. Way to go, Ben! Yeah, I
2: don't do. I don't do. You know, I don't know. If, I mean, I either it's either in the neighborhood I can walk to it, or I, so I'm lucky. I have a car. I could drive to it. In the old days, I'd ride my bike to it. Uh, but, no, not I'm not into that. And I'm glad Lori's uh, cracking down on them because, yeah, it's, it's gouging people.
1: So there you go, guys. Lori's looking out for you on uh, that Grubhub delivery fee. But for the love of God, don't you dare
0: go outside. We will shut you down. <laughs> we will cite you. And if we need to, we will arrest you. And we will take you to jail.
2: All right, But you can go to church. All right, D?
1: Yeah, That's church. church.
2: But not church's church. chicken. Just Church. <laughs> That was Friday's show, wasn't it? You're asking me for my favorite church? I go, I thought you meant church's chicken. My favorite one on Dodge and Dumpster and Evanston. Mm.
1: And hey, Dog Dogerson. I'm glad you've joined the live stream chat again. Hopefully uh, you uh, don't be a stranger and keep on coming. Uh, thanks to everybody on the live stream chat. All of you are awesome. Uh, if you missed any of today's show, don't worry. You can go download it. Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader websites, and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. And speaking of the download, we have an interview that we're going to be posting at about 7 o'clock tonight. If Dennis does his job right, <laughs> seven o'clock tonight, we'll find out. Uh, ben, we're going to be talking with our good friend, Lenny mona And who's going to be Heather Lenny? Booth, the
2: great, the legendary Heather Booth, a political activist, goes back to the SDS days. Uh, she was uh, one of the activists who went down to Mississippi to register voters back in 1964, Freedom Summer. And she's a union activist and political activist. Uh, she's now based in Washington. We're doing, a, obviously, or everything's on phone these days. Uh, she was in Chicago. She worked in the Harold Washington administration. And uh, we're going to be talking about some of the challenges that the Democrats are facing, trying to elect Joe Biden. Uh, so uh, Heather Booth talking about then and now, uh, activism in this country. And I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, Heather Booth's an old friend of mine. From way back when in the 1980s.
1: Live streamers were putting you to work, all right? You can only hear this interview through download, all right? Chicago.suntimes.com, ChicagoReader.com or wherever else you download your favorite podcast. That's the bread and butter of the Ben Jarofsky Show, really. We love live streaming for you guys. We like the live effect of a radio show. But uh, we really encourage you to go download other programs of the Ben Jarofsky Show. Catch up on anything you missed. Uh, our weekend Benny J. Bonus interviews, I edited out. Me and Ben saying MRF for like eight times, so don't <laughs> listen for that. Just listen to Miles Kamplassen, Kelly Cassidy, and gardening guru, mike novak all right that's our weekend bonus interviews we're going to be having some this weekend as well so go download those interviews everybody that's correct
2: all right uh, very good job uh, lear galil thank you so much for being on the show and I'm, of course couldn't have done without the man the myth the legend the pride of joy of alton illinois back home in alton as chance the rapper common and Lior galil all know and andre vasquez knows They call him White Lightning. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of Petty Cash. See you tomorrow, everyone.
1: All right, now let's hear that freestyle, Ben. Everything I
2: am made me everything I'm not. Or wait, I got it reversed. Dyslexia! All
1: right, that was horrible. And remember, guys, download those Benny J. Bonus interviews and our previous shows at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites.
2: But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.
0: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable.